Lamar Jackson, NFL MVP in his second season of 2019. Still a pretty good season in 2020. Yeah. Good enough that after three years, he is eligible for a contract, and he's going to be getting one. Here's head coach John Harbaugh from yesterday talking about the timetable for the second contract for quarterback Lamar Jackson. If something doesn't get done before the season, uh, do you think that will affect Lamar in any way, the, the, the contract issue? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, Lamar's confident, and Lamar understands what's important. I mean, I mean, Lamar's going to get, gonna, you know, look what he's done. He's, he's going to get paid. You know, he knows that. The question becomes is what's he going to do? You know, what's his legacy going to be as a quarterback? That's what he focused on. That's what's so great about it. The other thing is a done deal, okay? Okay, is it this number or that number? I'm sure the agent, you know, he doesn't have an agent, but I'm sure whoever's, you know, I'm sure that that matters at some point in time, but really, does it really matter in the big picture? You know, it's going to be great. The question is, is like, what's his legacy going to be as a quarterback? And that's the great thing about Lamar and why you have so much confidence in him is that's what he focuses on. You know, you focus on that, all the other things tend to fall. Be great at what you do, you know, someone's probably going to want to hire you to do it. Spoken like a true coach who doesn't want to get caught up in the details that potentially will chew up cap space, potentially delay the contract being finalized. Look, it's a done deal in that they are going to sign him to a contract. The question is through the push and pull, the awkward push and pull, because there is no traditional agent operating on Lamar Jackson's behalf. And I asked Eric DaCosta, the GM of the Ravens, about this several weeks back, about whether and to what extent it makes things more delicate and difficult. He said it doesn't, but I, I think it necessarily does. In negotiations like this, sometimes something indelicate has to be said. Yeah, right. By both sides. Right. When you represent yourself – Sometimes you got to say, hey, look, this isn't going to sound, uh, you know, this isn't the kind of thing I'd ordinarily say about myself, but I got to say it because I don't have an agent to say it for yeah, me. Right. And and sometimes that, that thing that would be said to the agent yeah. gets said directly to the player, and it, uh -huh. can, it can complicate matters, Chris. A hundred percent. It definitely can complicate matters, you know, especially when, yeah, you're talking about a few million dollars a year. And, yeah, if the, the team wants to point out a weakness of the player's play, Eh, that's dicey to say that to the player. I don't care what you are. That's that's dicey. You know, you're kind of opening the hood there to let it know, like, this is what we think of you. When we when you go home and we're up in the meeting rooms, here's the negative thing we talk about you a lot. That's where it is weird. Hey, I mean, yes, he's going to get paid. How much? I don't know. I just want to see them take care of him, you know, pretty quickly. because What's I the over-under per year? What's the over-under per year? Give me a guess. Mahomes at $45 million, new money. Not going to get that. Now, now Dax deals better. That's Yes, right. $45 million per year, new money average, that's all well and good. But I wouldn't want that contract if I'm a high-end quarterback. Yeah, I got all due you. respect to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I right. want Dax's contract. He's, but you got Lamar Jackson. He's got two years left under his contract. Yep. And then they can do the franchise tag dance. What does he get right now? Trading in the possibility of letting it play out like Dak and Kirk Cousins trading that in now and buying certainty now what does he get per year well, i think 40 is the 40 is the I, over i think so i, I mean I, I just look at it at a baseline to go he he could sit there and i think ask the baltimore ravens and go i want just a little bit more than deshaun watson and i don't i don't know if they can really argue back against that he's going to go wait i'm the mvp we win we go to the playoffs you know we were a one seed one year we got our playoff when i've been i've been playing for 3 years we've gone to the playoffs 3 times and 
I'm one of the, the, the hottest items in football and all of that. And that's where, like, you know, that's where I want the Ravens just to do him right because when I think about, you know, Lamar and even Josh Allen, who's in that same draft, draft class, listen, to me, their contract situation's a little more dire than maybe Baker Mayfield or a Sam Darnold who were also in that class because they play a dangerous brand of football. Lamar and Josh Allen, I mean, there's a few plays every game where you go, whoa, watch out. Oh, my gosh, holy cow, I can't believe he got through there and did that. And, whoa, he got put in a weird position there. And that's what I would be scared about if I'm either one of those players because, yeah, they play close to the edge. And I just don't want to see anything happen to them and them not be already compensated uh, and have that hurt them somewhere down the line. Chris, that's why this deal is so much more important than yeah. the average annual value. How much is guaranteed at signing? Yeah. What kind of injury protections are there? There are so many details and nuances. And look, I, I, I've heard that that there's you know an, a lawyer or account, whatever. You put a team together of people who aren't certified NFL PA agents. But you know what? Those people think they're going to figure it out. But there's no replacement for experience and relationships that the agents, the good agents have. And there will be possibly terms in that contract, the implications of which someone who has never negotiated an NFL contract before will not be able to fully appreciate. That's where the risk comes into play. And that's where the challenge comes into play for the Ravens. How aggressively do they load up the contract with the little landmines that help the team that aren't obvious and will Lamar Jackson or the people who are advising Lamar Jackson notice those things that will protect the Ravens and inure to their benefit if there is a catastrophic injury at some point? That's the other delicate aspect of this. When it's not a true arm's length standoff where you're dealing with an experienced quarterback agent who knows all the tricks, all the terms, everything a team could do, there's a temptation if you're the team to protect yourself by going a little farther than you would with a traditional agent. That that I wouldn't want that. I would want to be, for, for my franchise quarterback that I want on my team for another 10 years or longer, I would want to be negotiating with someone where there's no temptation for anyone in the organization to try to load something up into that contract that protects us without Lamar Jackson or his advisors fully appreciate yeah, that would be that that would be a real that would be a real dilemma for me because you want to be good to your guy yeah but you also got to protect the team I know I, I I bet you if you asked the Baltimore Ravens they'd probably they'd probably rather have like the scenario you're talking about deal with the agent you know because then it doesn't filter into the things you're talking about or that personal aspect once again or you've yeah you never feel like oh you know we got one over on them yep we slid it by, you know, Lamar and his mom and, you know, maybe a, a lawyer they hired who, like you said, has got no NFL experience or anything like that. Yeah, he knows contracts and everything like that, but does he know the CBA? Does he know all the rules of the salary cap and things like that and everything like that, the ins and outs to what you're explaining? That's, that's really where the agent comes in handy. You're exactly right. It's the injury guarantees. It's all the little nuances and you know, I, I don't know who he's got advising about, him in that department. This. Yeah. You made me think of another thing. Yeah. How exhausting it's got to be for Eric DaCosta and whoever else is negotiating this contract to engage in salary cap 101, injury guarantee 
101. All of the things, whether you're explaining it to Lamar, his mom, or whoever is helping them. You're dealing with people who don't do this. They don't understand it. They haven't built up a wealth of knowledge and experience over the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years. It's, it's got to be exhausting from the perspective of trying to explain to people who don't do this for a living why this term's there, what it means, how it works, and uh, it's a hell of a lot more complicated than sitting down with Tom Condon or Todd France or one of the other quarterback agents out there, David Dunn. I don't want to leave anyone out because then I'll get an angry text message from someone. But you, 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 you know, it's, it's a lot easier and cleaner when you're dealing with someone who's been around that block so many times, they've they've got the number of bricks on the street memorized. Yeah, let alone like, you know, the, those guys you're talking about, those names, they're like, you know, in the pantheon of great agents and power players in the NFL to where teams don't mess with them or try to, you know, F them over in some capacity because they go, Because they'll get you back later. Yeah, they'll get you. They got 10 other superstars that we might want in the next five years, and they're going to screw you over when it comes that time. So that's where they protect you that way too. There's no doubt about it. Tom Condon was my agent at one point. And I knew no teams were going to mess with Tom or lie. Boy, did he evaluate you wrong. He's got a pretty high bar for who he represents. He totally screwed that one up. He took a chance on me. He's like, wait, this guy went to the playoffs. He might do something good. Let me see if I can get a part of this. And then he was like, damn, that was I'm losing money with this guy. The hell with him. But you know what? These are all very valid points. And the other thing, too, before we take a break, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. There's going to be kind of a you go first, no you yeah, go first. Yeah, definitely. As it relates to the, the players, especially the ones who have agents. Because you, you don't want to make it any easier for Lamar Jackson and his non-agent agent. Because if Josh Allen does his deal, Baker Mayfield does his deal, what's, what's the first thing? That Lamar, his mom, and whoever else is helping them is going to—they're going to get a copy of it. Yeah. Say, well, we want the same thing. Right. Or we want the same thing plus a little bit more. Yeah. Then you got a problem if you're the agent who negotiated Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson got the same deal and a little better without an agent. Yeah. Then you got a problem. Well, yeah, so it can I go either way. Deliberately. Well, but I think deliberately, what's going to happen is Mayfield and Allen are going to sit back and wait for Jackson to go first, and then they will—they will use Jackson as their jumping off point for their deal. Yeah, I think that's how it's going to yeah, be. I would, I would imagine, too, because, I mean, he's kind of the king of the class at this point. You know, Josh Allen is certainly, you know, nipping at his heels there a little bit. But, yeah, he's won an MVP, and I would agree with that. Where I'd be a little scared if I'm like Josh Allen or something like that is that maybe Baltimore does, you know, you know pull the, the cover over Lamar and everybody else and get some sweet deal that's a little less than market price, and now it's your turn with Josh Allen, and they're going, well, Lamar got this, and you didn't win an MVP, and now you're going, oh, damn. Oh, oh, but, but but that's easy. But that's easy yeah. to deal with. It's yeah, because a, it's you a, just it's go, I great, didn't, he didn't have an agent. Because you just say that's an aberration. Yeah, we, we right. ignore that. One. Yeah, you're right. Uh, no, you're no, right. no. You, you don't come, don't come to me with deals that weren't negotiated by agents. Don't yeah, give me that. That's your give exactly me the Deshaun right. Watson deal, the Dak Prescott deal, the 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 Patrick Mahomes deal. Although that's regarded as an aberration by the the you know, the agents I mentioned earlier as right. well. Yeah. Um, but don't come to me with the deal that the guy negotiated without an agent. So it's, it's a win-win. You're right. It's a no lose I didn't think of that point. Josh Allen. That's why you're smart. Yeah. Good job. Well, uh, again, it's a low bar. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's take a break. Uh, the Chris Sims 
Quarterback countdown continues. We're going to actually try to jam three into one segment. All right, we'll do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it next here. We'll do it live. Screw it. We'll do it live. (laughs) All right, there they are, all the way up to number 13. Now, we've talked through Cousins at 16, Matt Ryan 15, Derek Carr 14, Baker Mayfield 13. Let's start with Matt Ryan. Number seven last year in your preseason rankings fell out of the top 10 sources tell me he was at number 11 in your in-season adjustment yeah right now he's down to number 15 explain yourself Chris well there's you know some players that jumped him and had good years we had some rookies that came into the league who were real good you know the guys that we just talked about there right there you know Derek Carr and Mayfield I got them jumping him from what I saw from last year yeah, Matt Ryan, a year older, still really good. I don't want to like take that away from him. A guy that, you know, again, I'll make the statement. You can win a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan. There's no doubt. You know, he's more than a system quarterback. No, you can be you can be up twenty. You can be up twenty eight to three. Yes, right. Yes. Well, you know, also listen, he can deserve some of the blame there, but I, I do like think that their defense could have helped out a little too. But, you know, again, there's a lot of positive things Matt Ryan can do. Yeah, does he need a system to a degree? Sure. But, man, you know, for a guy that's not super, super athletic and everything like that, man, he makes a lot of plays outside of the system. He's still an incredible thrower in the 10 to 20-yard range. You know, when you break him down, he's so accurate, great decision makers that way. And then, even for your prototypical pocket-type quarterback, the one thing that always jumps out to me when I go back and watch these guys to, to do these rankings Man, he moves a lot better than you you remember or give him credit for. Makes a lot of nice plays, scrambling for five, or just getting out of the harm's way to get a completion down the field and doing those type of things. You know, so he is a good athlete, not a great athlete. He's not going to do a lot of scrambling and things like that. But, you know, overall, still playing at a high level, and I think, you know, good enough. That's why you don't draft a quarterback at number four this year for Atlanta because – we got a few more years left of Matt Ryan playing high-level football at the quarterback position. Arthur Smith, one of the key ingredients in the turnaround of Ryan Tannehill, who was never an MVP candidate before Arthur Smith got his hands on him. I think Smith recognized early on, hey, I can win with Matt Ryan. Right. I got multiple years left. Remember, there was the, the conflicting reports in March, I think before Arthur Blank decided to get everyone on the same page, frankly that Terry Fontenot wanted to think about a quarterback at number four. Arthur Smith wanted to stick with Matt Ryan for multiple years. They worked that out quickly. And and I was told at the time there was never much of a dispute that those reports were overblown. But, you know, it may have been a trial balloon to see how people reacted to it. The bottom line is Arthur Smith's on board with Matt Ryan, and he's going to be the guy. And, uh, you know, even though he's down to 15 – He's one year away from getting back into the top 10, even with Julio Jones gone. Kyle Pitts, hell of a weapon. Calvin Ridley, ready to step up and be the number one guy. They got, you know, and and it's, we we get so caught up in focusing on a team's offense. How good a team's defense is has a major impact on how well the offense performs. Sure. How many red zone opportunities you have? How many, you know, how many occasions you're pinned in your own end? Or, or you you just, you know, yeah, it's how desperate the game. you are because sure. you're down 
14 points in the second quarter and the the opposing defense is teeing off on you already and disrupting your ability to do what you want to do because you become one-dimensional. Right. There's so many things that go into it, and that Falcons defense just hasn't been very good the no, past few years. they definitely not. And, and the offense has had its inconsistent moments too of just, you know, oh, hey, we jump out on a lead against this team and then we, you know, disappear for two quarters or, you know, we disappeared at the start of the game and now we're down 20 to nothing and now we march back and make it a football game. You know, to me, you know, that, that's the interesting thing about Matt Ryan. A little bit of the negative, I think, is where you, I go that way, too. Because you're right, like, it's, the team hasn't been great. They've had injuries, you know. His stats, I think, have also, to a degree, somewhat benefited from that, too, because he has more yards and, and things like that that came in garbage time, you know, and, and the game, the competitive part of the game was over, and then you start to go, oh, here, look at all these big plays. It'll be a big year for like Matt Ryan's phenomenon. What's that? The Blake Bortles phenomenon. Well, yeah, a little, a little. But, like, the, the thing that, you know, is going to be interesting with you bring up with Arthur Smith is, hey, that's been a down-the-field, you know, big play type of throw offense with Ryan Tannehill, who's been one of the best deep ball throwers in football, if not the best, the last two years. Matt Ryan deep ball is one of the reasons I think he's fallen down the list for me a little bit explosive throws, game-changing throws. There are some yards left on the field at times where you go, hey, this guy's gone, 70-yard touchdown, if he just throws it on the money. Oh, he had a slowdown. It was a 40-yard completion. Oh, they kicked a field goal that should have been a touchdown. There's definitely some of that, you know, or balls that just don't get there because they don't have quite the heat and pace on it that you would like that way. But I think that, to me, is where he fell off a little bit too. You know, just unable to maybe uh, just – carry the team or assert his presence the right way when wait things aren't going good right now and we need somebody to make a play or do something for us to jumpstart us and that's where I think some of the guys in front of him have been a little bit better especially the last year and, and going forward than where Matt Ryan was I'm gonna give him more credit than that because I think he has suffered from a bad supporting cast no running back that's true of. The no doubt has been bad and I think that that when you do your in-season evaluation this year, he's going to be higher than than number fifteen, maybe all the way. Hey, back this is I, I don't I don't 11. I don't disagree with that. This is a these these numbers we're talking about fifteen through a ten or eleven. Holy, I mean, this is the hardest part of my rankings. These are really good quarterbacks that you know you get you're starting to get nitpicky with. I'm talking about a guy Matt Ryan who's you know really awesome. But I give, yeah, Derek Carr and Baker Mayfield, as we'll dive into that, the advantage of them over him right now because of, you know, a few minute things that we'll, we'll discuss here in a, in a few minutes. But still really well, good. Let's, let's talk, let's, yeah, let's let's talk about Derek Carr. Let's do it. Because you have him at number 14. Yeah. Which, which hopefully is enough to get Derek Carr to unblock the PFT Twitter account. There's some respect, Derek. You're at number 14, baby. Yeah, Sims did the list, but I'll take credit for the stuff that people like. <laughs> I'll take no credit or blame for the things people don't like, including number 10, but that's still to come. Derek Carr at number 14, uh, what is it that you saw that caused you to bump him up from number 19? Well, I mean, he, he played the game efficient as hell last year. I mean, made a lot of plays. And my biggest knock on, on Derek Carr going into last year, if you can remember, was just like, hey, let it loose. Let it fly. Stop being so careful with the ball. You know, force the ball into a few windows. You know, don't don't just lay the ball out there in the middle of the field and go, wait, I just want a completion. No, let it rip and get a 70-yard touchdown like we're talking about. That's what I saw more of from Derek Carr last year. You know, so there was that aspect. And then, you know, 
playmaking ability, like that right there. Listen, that's the one thing that jumped out to me more than anything. Subtle movements in the pocket and throwing under pressure from different platforms is much better than I remember or expected when I went back and studied him. You know, he does have the ability to throw the ball sidearm, do those type of things, and he is a pretty damn good athlete. You know, he's not going to run down the sidelines for a 40-yard game, but makes a lot of great moves in the pocket, can get outside of the pocket, I think really understands the game now. He's accurate as hell. You know, there's not a lot not to like from Derek Carr and the way he's playing, other than I would go, you could still be more aggressive. You could still let it fly a little bit more and uh, help your team out because you have the talent to do that type of stuff. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. We talked yesterday about Derek Carr, the fact that he had his best statistical season by almost every factor last year. He's gotten to the point where he's he's mastered the offense. He can drive the Ferrari. That's what we always it. say about the John Gruden offense. He wants you to drive the Ferrari without scratching it. Minimal scratches on the Ferrari last year. And and this, this gets back to what we discussed earlier. This is the year. This is it. Up or out. I don't know the... For Carr, it's more up or out than it is Gruden because I think that if they fail to get to the playoffs this year, there will be increased pressure on Gruden to get a different quarterback next year. I I, I think there will be. And they're going to have to make a decision because next year is the last year of Derek Carr's contract. And I, I don't I – don't, I, he doesn't have to have a new contract if he stays. But I just think that after this season is a good time to make some sort of a decision. Yeah. Are we – going to renew our vows with Derek Carr or are we going to move on because because Aaron Rodgers still out there potentially and the Raiders on his wish list Russell Wilson Raiders on his wish list Deshaun Watson potentially Raiders on his wish list so there will be options for upgrades guys who we have we have yet to unveil yeah on this show right this year that are out there that would be upgrades for the Raiders, I think that that's a fair question, and this this is the year. It's it's more important for Derek Carr than John Gruden to get to the playoffs this year. I firmly believe that. Yeah, it's I mean it's a solid point. It's certainly something to think about there. Uh, I, I, if he plays the way he did last year, and even a little bit better, man, I'd have a hard time trading him for anything. You know, especially like we talked about with Gruden and the fact that he's wired. We like. He took a step to me this year, not only in like the mastering of the offense, like we're talking about, but his attitude too. You know, I go back and don't play this tape yet, guys, but like that Kansas City game, I can still remember the second game. They've beat Kansas City in Kansas City. Now it's the Sunday night football game. I can remember the first series of the game. They drove down, it was all on his plate. They got down close to the red zone. Kansas City did something a little different, and it kind of like, Messed up the robot for a second. They had to call a timeout. And I remember him coming off the sideline looking at Gruden. Gruden was like, kind of like, and he's like, yep, I got it. Yeah, they fooled me. I got it. Blah, 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 blah. The rest of the game, he was on point and really gave them issues. And here, let's play some of these clips, Kristen, so you get it just. He's all over everything. That's the thing I jump out. It jumps out to me. Of course, you know I know this offense and mentally. You know, just always the right things. Not that these are checks or anything like that, but you could see there's comfort, control in the offense. You know, little. Hey, Linda, you gotta go 50. 
Linda, you got to go 50. All over pass protections. Hey, Linda means go to the guy to the left. I, I put the guy in the middle. Let's Linda and go to 50. O-line, get that right. Bam, gets the right protection. Now it's a touchdown pass. There's just so much of that. And there's a lot on his plate, uh, more than I think people realize. And he did a really good job with it, let alone his physical play, I thought was close to special last year with some of the stuff he did in, in a lot of games. So what does he have to do this year? What, what, what do you expect from him? Well, like just like you said for Matt Ryan and all that, first off, like their defense needs to help out a little bit. That's for sure. And these wide receivers got to like come to the party and show up finally here too. Like Henry Ruggs, like the, the honeymoon's over. We got, we got guys that were drafted after you and in the second round who way outperformed you. So I, I, I look at Derek Carr to just go, just continue what you're doing. Hopefully the guys around you can get better. And if there's just that one thing I would say is just, yeah, he can still be more aggressive. That's the one thing that I came away with to just go, when I watched film, there were still a handful of throws, few throws every game where I'd go, ah, oh, just let that rip. You got him. Like, you're too talented to turn that down and throw the five-yard shallow cross instead and some of that. And I, I think that's the, the biggest thing that jumps out to me. Well, hey, uh, the, the table is set. And we'll see. They'll have a full stadium of fans this year. It's going to be a happening. And they get started week one on Monday Night Football with the Ravens coming to town. So a stiff test yeah. for Derek Carr right out of the gates. 13. One of the Ravens' arch rivals in Cleveland. Their quarterback, Baker Mayfield, first overall pick in 2018, on the verge of becoming a superstar. I thought maybe you'd have him a little higher. I know. Chris. Uh, well, why 13 for Baker Mayfield? Because there's, there's so many, there's good quarterbacks. I mean, you'll see the top 10. It's, it's hard. I, you know, I, when you see the top 10, tell me who you want me to kick out to put Baker Mayfield I, look, in there. Listen, I know I, the, it's the, brutal. The, hey, hey, he's a top 10 quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback. <laughs> you got 20 top 10 quarterbacks. I, I know when it's time to list him, yeah. it gets difficult. It gets difficult. A hundred percent. And it was tough, but man, an unbelievable leap. I mean, what a year he had last year. And I think, like, the one thing that just comes to my mind with Baker Mayfield, grip it and rip it. Man, there are so many, Mike, high-level, aggressive, downfield throws that Baker Mayfield made all year long, especially the second half of the year. You know, the first half of the year was good. He was kind of learning his way in the offense. The second part of the year, he started to carry the offense just as much as it carried him. And, you know, I, I, I maybe swept it out of my swept it under the rug, under the radar, out of my mind or whatever. But the one thing that I just popped to me was when I turned it back on, I just like even there, that guy's covered like glue. Perfect throw on the money. Aggressive as hell. Good coverage here. Boom. Perfect spot outside. There are so many throws in the bootleg and play action game where he's running to the right full speed. And Jarvis Landry's open by three inches, 25 yards down the field. He throws it and doesn't think twice, rips it in there, perfect throw, 30-yard completion. A, a, a tremendous deep ball, explosive arm thrower. And he can change momentum of the game with his right arm. And I think, you know, he cleaned up mechanics last year. He was a better decision maker. He was more mature on and off the field like we talked about. And he had moments where I just went, whoa. I mean, that's big-time throws, big-time plays, way to play that game, Baker Mayfield. And, and that's why he rose for me. And he is borderline top 10, top 10-ish type talent for sure.
and, and you put him in the category of the guy who can make chicken salad when the play that's called falls apart, right? I do. He is one of the things I got written down here. You know, tight window thrower, you know, high degree difficulty. The other thing I wrote is not a great runner, but a great mover and a hopper. Oh, my gosh. That's the other thing that he pops out is here he is. He's got a bootleg. Oh, man, there's a free defense end. He makes the move to break the guy's ankle and then throws the ball. So it might not be running, but all you do, you can picture him right in the pocket. He's hopping around, and then he's throwing the ball. Like He's got an innate ability to kind of see both and make it happen. Not a great runner, but a great mover is what I would say about, about Baker Mayfield. That is a sneaky, great week one game. I almost wish that it had been held for later in the season. Browns and Chiefs. But, right. But, man, what 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 a game that's going to be. The, the Mayfield-Mahomes game from 2016, 66-59, yeah. I, yeah, I think, was so. the final score. Ridiculous right. numbers for both. And I'm sure Mayfield wants to turn that into a rivalry with Mahomes. And they've got the team now to do it, and Mayfield's the quarterback yeah. to do it. And. You know, hey, 2019, regression. And and you see what happens when you don't have good coaching. It is Coaching's tough. Coaching's part right. of this. You know, you, you made the point. The footwork was sloppy. V various things had, had fallen off. Just because you figured it out, you still have to have repetition. You have to be thinking about it. You have to have everything lined up just right, or you will see yourself dip in relation to the guys who are constantly buttoned up and coached and told what to do and reminded what to do, and they go through that process it's easy to let your habits slip. Yeah, it is. You got to stay on top. That's why we see Brady Rogers. They're, they're always all over those type of things. It is. You could take a month off from football and not throw and you, you could lose some of those things. If somebody doesn't stay on top of you and you, you think you're doing it the right way, but then, you know, you go back and watch film and go, damn, I'm not like, so I gotta have somebody out here watching me a little bit. So all of that improved. It definitely did. And yeah, definitely one of those candidates, Mike, to your point where, this he could be the guy that maybe challenges Mahomes and the Chiefs and it becomes a rivalry. Let's not forget too, like Baker Mayfield was kind of moved out of Texas Tech and Cliff Kingsbury because Mahomes was coming in. That was part of the reasons he transferred to Oklahoma. You know, they knew Mahomes was coming. I think they were kind of like, okay, we like you, but they weren't sure how much they liked him and they thought Mahomes was special and they were like, all right, you can transfer. So that would add to the rivalry too in a, in a cool kind of way. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to talk about some guys who are trying to get new contracts and away from their mini camps in an effort to get them, including Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. This Chandler Jones back in March asking J.J. Watt, what do you want to eat, offering to be his personal chef. J.J. Uh, Watt going hungry at minicamp because Chandler Jones is not there. We're going to go through the contract disputes that have caused guys to miss mandatory minicamps, good, bad, and ugly as it relates to the expected resolution. Let's start with Jones. He's in the last year of a five-year, $82.5 million contract, turned 31 in February. He only played in one game last season, but he still has 61 sacks in five years since joining Arizona. That's second in the NFL. Think about that. He played in one game last year and is still second over the last five years in sacks in the NFL, second only to Aaron Donald at 65 and a half. How do you see this one ending? What do you do if you're the Cardinals? What do you do if you're Jones? Because this year, last year and this year, began this process of it's very difficult to hold out into training camp, 50000 a day, and it's non-waivable. 
it works out to two million if you stay away for all the camp. So how do you see this one playing out for Chandler Jones? Due to make, I think, fifteen million this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'm gonna say bad. Like I, I'm gonna say bad. Good, bad, ugly. Like good, some way, somehow, some deal gets figured out, something that way, right? I don't know. I mean, maybe they could find a way to sweeten it for one year to maybe put it off. A la like what the Patriots did with Stefan Gilmore a little bit, just to do something like that to make him happy. But ultimately, I, I don't know. I mean, it's still it's a guy that missed a full year, you know, except for one game. Hang on. Yeah. He missed he 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 had one sack. In oh, five one games. sack in the five he, games. Sorry. He'd acknowledged to me. No, but his it doesn't mistake matter. We know he was injured. It's a word that I can't repeat. But either way, he, he didn't used one of your words. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Well, that's good. It's it's a proper time to use one of those words. It definitely was. <laughs> but didn't didn't play a lot year, a lot last year. Is the point getting up there in years and doing things like that to where I just have a hard time looking at it like they're just going to automatically extend him right now with where they are in their current place. So I'm going to say he comes back with no deal and they try to work something out maybe during the year or something like that. But I don't see it happening. Yeah, look, I... What do you think? Well, I mean, it's a tough one. Here, I, he's, he's I, a different here, one here's, here. the, here's the problem. If you're right. the Cardinals, right, right, you can get some real cap relief Exactly. if you get the guys signed. Yeah. The problem is top of the market thanks a lot chargers paying joey bosa 27 million a year like this is why daniel hunter was unhappy in minnesota once bosa gets 27 million a year that changes everything but the problem is shaq barrett hits the open market this year stays with the bucks at 17 that's a big gap yes that's a 10 million dollar gap where do you land and chandler jones is 31 i i i think that it makes sense to come up with something Closer to 17 than 27, the question is, is it enough to make Chandler Jones happy? And I think at age 31, given the money he's made, yeah, it might I do think it. you just have to realize. Because, look, what are they going to do? They're going to trade him, and is someone else going to pay him what he's looking for? I don't think so. I think this one will end in an acceptable fashion. Yeah, I know. That's he's where I was going to be go. happy. Right, right. He's still not going to be happy, um, but he's gonna, he, they're going to work it out. And uh, that's what I think. They'll work it out, and he'll stay there. He's still not going to think he got as much as he should. So, yeah, like it's a combination of good and bad is what you're saying. Like it, it's not yeah. going to be what he wants, but he gets a little sweetener and, and something that way. I know it, it, he, to me, is one of the tougher ones we're going to talk about here, certainly. Also, because if like, he was determined, let me say this. Right. If he was determined to not play for the Cardinals, he wouldn't have sent that message to J.J. Watt in March. That's a good point, too. You're right. He, he would have shut down completely. Be there. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. You know, And the other thing, too, is, uh, listen, he's a good player. There's no doubt. He's probably one of the more underrated defensive players we've had in football the last four or five years. But that age, injured, and then the Cardinals, you know, they can get after the quarterback. They're kind of a blitzing-type team. They were one of the top sack teams in football to where they could probably look at it and justify and go, hey, listen, we, we still got after the quarterback last year, you know, even without you. And you're only your one sack and everything like that. So, you know, as more we talk about, I think you're right. It's going to be just a little bit of a sweetener just to soothe it over for the year. Xavier Howard, the Dolphins corner. I remember this was June of 2019. He had a year left on his rookie deal. He signed a five-year extension, putting him under contract for six years. And the way they did the numbers on the five-year extension, when you focus on new money average, not total value at signing, but new money average, it put him just a hair north 
of Josh Norman, who at the time was the highest paid corner at $15 million a year. Howard was at $15.05 million in new money. The problem is when you're through in the existing year, when you look at the full contract, it's less than $13 million a year. He's not much far ahead of where he would have been if he had played out his rookie deal and been franchise tagged last year. He, I think, has realized. Also, he's got a new agent, and the new agent doesn't get paid until there's a new deal done. That's a factor. But I think Howard has realized that you know, th- th- there there were some liberties taken with the structuring of the deal so he could feel like the highest paid corner in league history. The reality is he's not, and now he's trying to get there, especially having 10 interceptions last year and being regarded as a potential finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. No, I mean, this, this to me is one of the more unique situations I can remember with contract disputes in a while uh, for me. I mean, Xavier Howard is one of the five best corners in football. Yeah, he's making less money than the corner opposite him, who's not as good as him, and Byron Jones. So, and of course, yes, he's seen the Jalen Ramsey contract and some of the other things too. That of course is going to make him antsy off of that. But the, still, you know, and, and Mike, you know me, and you, we're, we're we're pro player, we're pro player. But this one's hard for me to totally back the player. Two years into the deal, I know it wasn't perfect, but like the first year of the deal. You only played four games, you know. So there was four games. You got, you know, that money that year. Okay, great. Now it's year two. You did great. There's no doubt. But I guess it's a little harder for me to support the guy, where it's like, okay, you've only played two thirds of the, or you know, two thirds of the game or three quarters of the games here. And but he's outperformed. But but last, I know he's out, that's where it's a tough one. But they expected. I know it's where it's a tough one for me, and, and I'm always usually pro player, 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 player. But here's one where I just go, I guess I have a little more sympathy for the franchise than normal in this one. Here's the reality. Yeah. He took the deal and got a significant amount of security and certainty in 2019 when he was looking at making less than $2 million. Right. And now he doesn't like the deal that he took two years later. Yeah. Because it's been a good deal for the Dolphins. Right. That's the challenge. And and the reason that I hesitate with this is – it's so much easier for the team to rip up a deal they don't like and move on than it is for the player know. to rip up a deal he doesn't like and move on. And until there's true equality in that category, I'm 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 always gonna take the position of the player. If you want more as the player, go try to get it. Now the problem is you don't have a lot of leverage, but at least try to get it. And uh, I think he'll be there at training camp. And maybe they'll tell him one more good year and we'll take care of you after this season. Maybe that's what he's trying to do. Maybe that's what he, where he's trying to get to, that they'll commit to after 2021, giving him a new contract. And uh, if they make that, that promise, maybe he shows up and, uh, you know, it's a good resolution for everyone. I think so. That, that would be the one that seems to make the most sense because you're right. I mean, they, they listen, they did do him a solid either way by doing the contract and doing those type of things. Yeah, it wasn't a good deal. Uh, the, you're you're right. Now some of that's got to go on Xavier Howard there a little bit too. But yeah, they I, did themselves a solid. They yeah. bought low. They bought low. Exactly right. And yeah, that's that's sometimes the the problem as a player is you get that money dangled out there in front of you and you want to do it, but now you outperform it and you want more. I think he could he stand on more solid ground. You know, the team itself is finally arrived, and now here he is, kind of making it about him. I think everybody could swallow it a little bit better if he did it after this year.
Two more real quick. We don't have time to delve into them. We've talked about them this week. Jamal yeah. Adams, I think he's getting a contract before training Definitely. camp. When they traded for him last year, that's part of the price that they knew they were going to have to pay. Right. Stephon Gilmore, I don't know what's going to happen here, and I won't be surprised if he gets traded. I don't know either. I'm with you with Jamal Adams. It's only a matter of time before he's the highest paid safety in football. That has to happen. Gilmore, man, I don't know. You're right. I could see a trade going down here. Uh with the Patriots and them just going, we got a great secondary. We got J.C. Jackson. We're going to have to pay him, and let's move on and go from there. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked either, Mike. I think that's probably where I lean right now, too. All right, we're going to take a break. The AFC West has the best quarterback in the NFL. We're going to draft the best non-quarterbacks in that division when PFT Live continues right after this. U.S. Open coming this weekend, the 121st edition from Torrey Pines near San Diego, Thursday through Sunday on NBC, Golf Channel, and streaming on Peacock, Bryson DeChambeau will try to defend his title just a couple of weeks before he pairs up with, oh, Aaron Rodgers to take on hashtag Tommy and Phil Mickelson in the match. All right. You AFC gonna watch? You're going to watch? You're going to watch like the U.S. Open when you sit there and watch it yes. on Sunday? Yes. <laughs> okay, you're not a golf fan. I will be. I'll I be said yes. Sure. Yeah, sure. Sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> Best non-quarterbacks in the AFC West. Go ahead. You take the first pick. Wow. Okay. I think uh, this, uh, this, this to me, I think is, is oof. it's between three guys on the chiefs. I don't know which one to take here. This is where I'm stuck. I'm going to go with Tyree kill. I'm going Tyree kill here. Yeah. Because I still think he's the most dangerous or certainly in the conversation for the most dangerous weapon at all of football. I mean, he's a game plan changer. Come on. We know that. I mean, defenses are 70 yards back because of Tyree kill. And, and the Kansas City Chiefs and what they do there. So I'm going to go with Tyreek to lead it off. I'll go Travis Kelsey. <laughs> I know that's one of the other ones you were thinking about. I know. It's I, Hill or it's Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey it goes, Hall of Famer already. Right. Incredible run, incredible player, and uh, incredible leader on that team. Great compliment to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot. Look, there's a lot of great players in the AFC West. It just so happens a lot of them happen to play for the Chiefs. It's it's uh, I think a little bit more of a, a little more apparent than I even realized once I started to write now write down names for this. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm going Chris Jones next. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe this is why Kansas City's really good. Yeah, I mean, but Chris Jones for my money is the best defensive player in the division. I mean, arguably, other than Aaron Donald, I could say Chris Jones is might be the best even as a lineman in football. So I got to go there. He's just too damn good. And, I mean, he's so good that they're going, hey, now you're dominate defense end. You were dominating D tackle. Go to defense end and dominate there. So, yeah, I got to go. Now that we've paid you, yeah. now that we've paid you as a high-end defensive right. tackle, go play defensive end. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, and trust me, trust me, if he plays defensive end and plays well, there's yeah. going to be a renegotiation yeah. coming, as there should be for Chris Jones. We talked about Joey Bosa last segment, $27 million a year. Look, he hasn't been as healthy as I would like, but that applies to pretty much half of the Chargers roster yeah. over the past few years. Right. But Joey Bosa is incredible. Yeah. I, I thought you'd be torn between Jones and Bosa. So you take Jones, I'll take Bosa. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, I think it's between those two, like what you're talking about. I, ga I gave Jones the advantage just because Bosa was a little banged up last year and those issues. So that that's really what was the tiebreaker for me. But uh, I hear you there. Um all right, I, I think I'm going to go with my first Raider here. I'm going to go with Darren Waller next. Darren Waller, other than Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, I I think it's pretty safe to say he's top three-ish in football at the position. Man, I mean, big, rangy, can beat you with speed. 
you know, got a little physicality with the ball in his hands and things like that. He is without question arrived as one of the top tight ends in football. One of the things about the NFL, you get injured, you're gone, you're forgotten quickly. And Von Miller last year, I mean, it happens to everybody. Ben Roethlisberger, out of sight, out of mind. 2008, Tom Brady, out of sight, out of mind. The game keeps going. We can't forget that Von Miller is still one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL, despite the injuries, uh, the injury, the yeah. ankle that that, that that wiped out all of his 2020 season. So I'm not going to sleep on Von no. Miller. Uh, he's still one of the best guys in all of football and one of the best players in his division. Yeah, I agreed. I, I'm expecting big things from him and his, you know, dynamic duo buddy and Bradley Chubb this year because I think he's right there with them as as far as close to being that that kind of guy. And uh, I, I'm with you. I, I hope Von Miller tears it up this year and kicks some butt. Uh, you know, it's funny him, Derwin James, right? They're two of the better defensive players at football. Didn't play last year along with Bosa, who you know barely played. Um, Oof, man. I'm going back to Chiefsville. I am. I'm going to Orlando Brown Jr. I, Orlando Brown wow. Jr. is one. Wow. I know. I think he's one of the better tackles in football. I'm a sucker for these big, nasty tackle guys. I'm a sucker for them. I love them. I love guys that can, like, just they throw out one arm and the defense end flies back 10 yards. And, you know, the pass rusher thinks he's got the edge on them and they get pushed 15 yards down the field by one little shove by these guys overpowering in the run game and really damn good at pass protecting. I'm going Orlando Brown Jr. You know, at some point you got to consider a running back. But I know. There's only one, I think. Yeah, but I'm going to skip that for now. I'm going to skip that for now. I'm going to go Keenan Allen. We got to give Keenan Allen yeah, some okay. love. You know, we, we talked about underrated receiving duos at some point not that long ago. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I think, fit that bill. Uh, I don't know what it is, but those he, Keenan Allen has never gotten the the appreciation that I think he deserves. But he's just reliable. He's consistent. He gets it done, and uh, that's my next pick. Yeah, no, I think you're. I mean, he does. He's underappreciated. He is. You know, he's a route runner who knows how to play. Consistent, super dependable, but lacks like the big highlight type plays. And I think because of that, people you know forget about him at times. So good pick by you, uh, no doubt. He's he's underrated. Man, all right. No, uh, no disrespect to Tyron Matthew, who I really love. That's my next pick. All okay, right, I'm going to go Justin Simmons. Down for Tyron I'm Matthew. A, yeah, I'm going Justin go Simmons first. I mean, there's a reason he's the highest paid safety in football. I mean, he's the real deal. He's in the prime of his career. You know, he's rangy as hell in the pass game. And for a skinny, rangier type of guy, he's a phenomenal tackler in the open field and everything like that. So Justin Simmons, you know, one of the more, you know, uh, forgotten great safeties in football I go with Tyron Matthew he's still got a high degree of skills they are diverse he's a guy who can move around and do a lot of different things he's a great presence on a team he's a great leader on a team he's a great example yeah. to anyone in or outside of football that's going through any type of adversity he's one of the more inspiring stories of the NFL over the past decade if not longer than that and uh, he's entering the last year of his deal with the Chiefs. And, you know, the Chiefs dodged the bullet because they were trying to get Earl Thomas. I don't know that that would have worked out nearly as well as Tyron what? Matthew worked out Definitely for not. the Chiefs. I know. Yeah. I, so, yes. Uh, that was big time. Uh, You're right. Yeah. So uh, Tyron Matthew rounds out my, my picks. Uh, there's 10 of them that we got through. We're going to take a break, and we'll wrap up this Thursday edition for me, Friday for Chris. Woo-woo! Right after.
instead of email feedback, we've gotten some handwritten feedback on Twitter. Uh, your opinion counts, said Gary Biker, Crazy Biker, not Biker, Gary Crazy Biker Travis. Mike Florio is good, except when he talks about masks and vaccinations. Chris Sims is crazy putting Brady at number 10. <laughs> so great feedback there from Gary Crazy Biker Travis. And uh, I asked the question to the league earlier. Yeah. Because we're trying to figure out how will you even flag a guy who is vaccinated if he has COVID? If you're vaccinated, you get tested once every 14 days. So, yeah, uh, definitely very better. different yeah. than getting it every single day if you're not vaccinated. No doubt about it. I mean, certainly. I mean, uh, that that's a, a different way of life altogether and certainly a, a big plus to want to get vaccinated and, and avoid that crap every day and dealing with all that stuff. That's that's for sure. So it, it happens on a day of the club's choosing during weeks. They're entering the team facility. The individual does not need to wait for the results to return prior to entering the club facility so uh that's that's that that's the that's the benefit that's that's another carrot for the guys who are trying to figure out what they're going to do yeah you don't get tested or you don't get vaccinated you get tested every day you get vaccinated you're tested once every two weeks yeah definitely game changer let alone all the all the other protocols that you know go by the wayside if you're vaccinated and how much easier life will be so yeah i I mean i think this is going to continue to be a talking point the coaches will do their best to kind of inch everybody that way and uh hopefully uh, gary crazy biker travis i don't know maybe we won't talk about it next week either way you need to improve your handwriting gary uh okay <laughs> you, you you have handwriting of a seven year old mine all right it's better than mine chris enjoy your three-day weekend everybody else see you tomorrow see ya